Great. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Blessed. Blessed is, is good. Blessed is very good. I mean, um, it's quite important for us to, to, as we start this year, to be able to know what God's uh, purposes, God's life uh, in us can do, what we can express uh, this year to be able to bless others, because <clears throat> that's the most important thing. And uh, we need to uh, experience him, experience him in ways that are very different when we open our hearts and he speaks to us. And uh, once we do that, we begin to have a life that he promised in John 10, 10, which, which he says it's the life which is abundant, which is more than enough. And remember, that is a life that you can experience in your own heart. Don't look at getting and changing things externally. It's not going to happen, you know, unless you get the, the, the wisdom and the understanding and the possession of him. I'm talking about Christ. In your heart, then you get the Holy Spirit to be able to help you as you move in life, and he will give you the wisdom that's needed uh, to be able to express that blessing in a way that will be beneficial to people, in a way that will be able uh, to help people. Anyway, so today I'm, uh, I want to just carry on on that uh, theme of uh, welcome, we glad you're here, okay, <laughs> of walking in faith, the, the faith walk of the believer. And um, I'd like to just give a bit of a base, but then I want to also pick up where Didi left off, especially that scripture, Christ in you, uh, the hope of glory. Man, what a scripture. You know, we've got uh, two types of, of people. Um, we call them the externalists and the internalists. You can't get, you know, that's how society is divided. In other words, people that put value in what's happening inside of you that determines or defines, they say, who you are. And then you've get, you, you get the externalists that basically define themselves on um, the relationships that they have or they define themselves in the business, how big they are the money that they've accumulated, so on and so forth. And unfortunately, this type of mentality carries through when you become born again. And we, you know, when you start to experience uh, God and the way that you've learned to evaluate life before, um, unfortunately, until you renew your mind and you change to be able to see that life was designed as a believer to be experienced internally, um, you're going to start creating what, what we call a corrupt logic based on the external experiences that you are having. And therefore, you're going to start determining, and as I said, evaluating and defining life, the Christian life, based on anything that is external. Now, anything that you're going to experience externally, you have to pass it through your five senses. That's how it is. 
And the five senses, once, you know, it, it receives the data, and now you start interpreting that based on, obviously, um, the, the, the five senses, anything that is spiritual that you believe, then you get to what the Bible calls in Romans chapter 8, where you are now a carnal Christian. A carnal Christian is not just someone who goes out and simply tries to live in sin or in legalism, but it's a, it's, it's a believer who tries to experience God through his five senses. Now, I'll tell you why that is so dangerous. It is because what we're going to see, like we've seen now with this pandemic that we went through, we're going to see a much greater delusion that is going to take place in society. And once you start looking and believing in the external, then the deception is going to be very, very great. And you don't want to be caught with that type of deception. You want to catch yourself continuously entrusting Christ in you. Okay? Because let me tell you, and, you know, this is, this is something that I've learned. Externally, you're going to see a lot of things that if you have if you had a sort of a false definition of sovereignty, then you're going to believe that only God can help you do those miracles. That, that's the, the general accepted um, uh, mindset and concept that when you see a miracle, hold on one second, it can't be from the, you know, from, uh, from uh, the devil. It can't be from anything else. It has to only be from God because only God gives miracles. And... Once you start believing that and you have that as a seed within you, then we will see a lot of things externally, miracles, signs and wonders, which the Bible basically, and Paul in the book of Thessalonians, he calls those miracles deceptive and he calls them a lie. Not that they didn't happen. Not that it's some kind of a trick on, any, on a, uh, an illusion taking place. No, it did happen, but this is what I'm going to get to uh, this morning. It happened in a corrupt way. In other words, I misuse the laws of physics and of nature to be able to fulfill some kind of a uh, selfish agenda, to be able to serve whatever my personal um, uh, you know, it can be greed, it can be, I'm, I'm talking about the lusts of the flesh. Because that is our biggest enemy. Our biggest enemy is that we haven't learned how to control our flesh. How to make our flesh a servant rather than it being a master. So, the first and the most important thing that, that we have to make 100% cemented in our belief system or in our lives is the creation, God's creation. Did he create everything according to the account that we find in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2? Did he do that? 
If we, and, and that is very, very important because any other theory that comes into, um, in, into our belief system, it's going to corrupt who we are. It's going to eliminate and undermine our trust in God who is the source and therefore we're not going to be able to function things will not be able to be realized in our lives the way that God obviously intended. And if that is the case, then suddenly we're going to look, as we have done over the years, for another source. And that's where the will system has come in to be able to become security for us. But God continuously is calling us out. He says, come out from among them and be ye separate. So the first scripture that I want to put and I want to read here is in Romans chapter 1. And if you do have your Bibles, well, if you don't, we've got it up here anyway. And uh, Romans 1.20, actually it's going to come up here. And... Uh, it says in verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible, notice, things that we can't see about God, what is his invisible attributes? We, we're talking about his character traits. We, we're talking about the intentions that he has in his own heart, which is always love. So he says his invisible attributes are clearly seen. And they're being understood by the things that are made. What, what has been made? Creation. He's talking about creation here. Even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. So the context here is we have to believe the account of creation, the way it's been given to us in Genesis chapter 1, because once we accept it that way, then we are able, he says, in nature, the way he made it, the universe, the stars, the earth, all creation, you are able, he says, to see clearly through his creation, his character, who he is. Man, isn't that amazing? So when a theory of evolution comes in, I can't see God. It destroys, smudges, and corrupts what I am supposed to see. Do you know, in the first 2,000 years, there was no written scripture. The only thing that they had about the gospel, the Bible says, was written in the stars. You would sit there and look at the stars and the gospel has been written all the way from the virgin birth, the destruction of Satan and Jesus being the king and also the second coming. Everything has been, well, at that time was written. Not that it is not now, it's just that it's been corrupted. Now, why is it important? 
And, and further down in verse 25, it says, they exchanged the truth. It's so specific in the Greek. The truth. What's the, the truth? It's about creation to the lie. What is the lie? Anything that will change the account of creation. Now, why is it important how creation was made? I mean, you know, what do you mean that I can put my faith in it? Well, let me tell you something, because the way creation was made and the way we were made to function, it's so important of how we're going to operate faith. So the first foundation of my faith has to be how God created the universe. Now, within, why is that important? Because within the framework of the universe that was created, I'm able to see, especially in Genesis chapter 1, because I'm created in his image and likeness, how I'm supposed to function faith. So how did God do it within creation? He saw, the Bible says in Isaiah 40, he says he saw the end from the beginning. He saw it in his heart. And when he saw it in his heart, he spoke it, and those words were faith-filled words. In other words, there were, there were words filled with life. So that when they went out there, it produced the physical realities that we have right now in the seen and the unseen. So for me now, to be able to trust that, remember Mark 11 22 says, have the faith of God. Well, the Greek says, more specifically, operate faith just like God does. What type of faith is that? Creative faith. Now, he's not saying I must create things, but with what he has created, I am able to choose through my authority as a believer. What am I supposed to choose? I can choose blessings rather than cursings. Because of what Jesus has done. See, now, this is so vital to get it for us into our hearts. Because with the next deception that's coming with the aliens, we need to establish ourselves so strongly in whom we believe, how we function and operate faith in this life. And remember, the Bible tells us you don't just have authority only, you've got delegated authority. And delegated authority is to be able to believe what Jesus has done for us and therefore go into our world, our community. Go into our personal finances. Go into our physical body. Go into our relationships and insert that life. Take authority and insert his life in that specific area. 
by seeing the end from the beginning. Now, unless we start developing and growing in the awareness of Christ living in us, we do not have and will not have the confidence that we will need in the days ahead. So we need to get into our hearts and start developing an awareness, growing in what we have in us, which is Christ in me, the hope of glory. He didn't say Christ out there somewhere to go and do something for you. He said Christ in you. Because once you establish yourself in this internal and daily, you're continuously creating this new sense of self by practicing it, going into your heart and seeing Christ in you. Because, you know, if you don't, by default, guess what you're going to do? Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to pick up what the world is telling me. I'm gonna, because I'm aware, I'm living in it. I'm going to keep hearing what people are saying, and then I'm going to waver and sway back and forth. And by doing that, whatever we focus our attention on, we create a reality in us. See, that's the discipline that the Bible talks, and we'll get a little bit into it in Hebrews chapter 12. The discipline is creating the reality who your father is and who you are in Christ. Because we have so many distractions around us every single day. You know, the most important thing that you can do is before any meeting, before any encounter, before you, you know, you, you, you basically prepare yourself for the day, get yourself inside. And begin to see yourself in him. Begin to see his life in you. Begin to see continuously that you have all that inheritance. And start experiencing that inheritance. And then from that position of inheritance now, or that reality that you've created. And you need to take time. Then allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to tell you exactly what needs to happen with any encounter that you're having. But you first have to see yourself that way. You have to establish your heart. See, one of the, um, one of the words besides faith being trust, the other word is also, as a practical application, obviously, it's persuasion. It's I'm taking myself through a process to persuade myself that this is the truth. This is really who I am. And I'm going to align everything to this reality. No matter how far I sense myself from this reality, I will carry on continuously and discipline myself to see myself rooted in Christ 
and experiencing Him. So the first reality is that God did create. Listen, even if they don't believe in God, one thing, if a scientist really looks at the facts and nothing else, it's not, he's not um, influenced by governments because they pay them. But they're looking specifically the facts they will believe in intelligent design. That's it. Because Romans 1.20 did tell us that when you look at nature, that's exactly what you're going to see. You will see his character traits. You will see him. You will see him as loving and delicate. You will see him, even in this fallen state, you will see him giving life continuously. Now, the, the second thing that I'd like to get into is in the book of Hebrews. And um, oh. I've got the, the wrong sticker here. I've got my little, just in case I don't, I forget the the scriptures that we've put there. <laughs> so, the, 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 um, yeah, the next one is Hebrews chapter 4. And look at verse 1 here. Hebrews 4, 1. Well, here it is. He says, therefore, since a promise remain of entering his rest. Man. There is a promise that has been given to each and every believer who already has the life of God. He says, he's calling us now, come and enter into his rest. Now, who is the rest? The rest is Christ himself. It's a person that we're talking about here. He says, come and enter his rest Notice, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. How do we come short of not entering the distractions? When we're looking at anything else other than finding out who we are in him. Because if we, he says, listen, I want you, there is a fear. Now he's not talking about something about negative fear here. He's talking, he says, look, I've put you into this design and I've put certain laws that function and operate. If you're not going to look towards that direction to enter into him and find yourself in him, well, you know, what's the alternative? There's no alternative. I don't have any other answers, he says. This is the only way. Why did you make it the only way? Because I'm the source and the whole thing is designed that you and I have a relationship. And through that relationship, you begin to understand who I am, you connect to me, and, and why do you want to live in this base reality of experiencing only your flesh and your ego? I'm inviting you to having the life that I'm giving, the Zoe kind of life. 
I'm inviting you to experience contentment, joy, peace, apart from everything else, apart from your physical body, apart from biochemicals and your hormones that you are seeking continuously to create, to bring yourself into happiness and pleasure. Why don't you come and find out this completeness that I have, and it's all internal. So there is a fear, lest any of you seem to come short of it. And you know, further down, it tells us, Sorry, I didn't give you the scripture. It doesn't matter. I'll just read it, yeah? In, um, in chapter 4, he says, For we have believed, in verse 3, if you have believed, he says, you do enter into rest. So, he says, how do you know I have believed? I know because in my heart I have established my identity in Christ. That's how I know. And notice he says, So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now, if you're going to interpret this from a, a human perspective, you know, it's like spiteful. <laughs> it's like, hey, you're not going to do it? Ah, then guess what? I swear you're not going to enter in. You think you can? Well, I swear you want, even if you want. No, that's not the attitude. The attitude here is, listen, I've only created one pathway. I swear no matter how much you're going to try your own way, how many different roads, paths you're going to try to take, you can't enter it because John... 10 tells us you're going to be a thief and a robber. This was designed to come to you, the abundant life, through relationship in your own heart. But you're trying in a different way. It's not going to work. And if it does work, the prosperity of the fool or the success of the fool is going to destroy you, he says. So I've created a path that keeps you continually safe. And that's through the relationships that we're having with him. He says it's your choice. Now, in chapter 4, further down it says, in verse 9 and 10, Therefore, Remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself, notice, seized from his own works. You stop trying to get it your own way. You stop trying to get it through your network and your connections and who you know. You stop trying to get it through your education or how good you are. In other words, the, the, the gifts and the talents that have been given to you and you've tweaked them and you've grown in them, you misuse them. And you might get there, but unfortunately, all other areas are going to be sacrificed and destroyed in your life 
because you wanted to get there and, 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 and thinking that you're going to have fulfillment and happiness. So he says, let us therefore, in verse 11, be diligent. And I love the old King James. It says, labor to enter into rest. Hey, what a sort of a seeming contradiction. No, he says, listen, you have everything within you. Labor to bring it and establish it in your heart. That's what he's saying. That's not labor to get something from God. It is, it's a labor that I do to be able to establish it in my heart. So the faith walk of the believer basically is getting what's in your spirit, man, and establishing it, what is, I mean, establishing it in your heart, making it real, making it true in your heart, where you become immovable. Um, in Hebrews 10 and verse 35, it says, now, therefore, do not cast away your confidence. In other words, when you're making this journey, don't give up on yourself. The confidence that has been given is I'm going to keep trusting the process that God gave me to persuade my heart. Don't cast away your confidence because I tell you what, when it gets established, that's when you're going to see the reward. When it gets established, I'm going to, uh, you will see the reward. And then further down, he, he basically says in, um, in verse 36, for you have need of patience so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Man, <laughs> what is the will of God? Is that labor that you're going through to establish it daily in your heart? Weeding out all of those things that you see daily that affect and influence your heart towards destruction. The cultures, the world system. He says, for yet a little while, and he who is, um, who is coming will come and will not tarry. As sure as that promise is when I'm telling you I'm coming back, and I am, that's how sure you must be when I give a word, he says, that if you do it and you establish yourself, you will experience the reward. Now, when you establish your heart, I'm telling you now, that's when you have now allowed yourself to feel and experience the breath of life. The breath of life is the Holy Spirit that's going to blow life into that reality that you and I have established in our hearts. 
Because that's what we want at the end of the day. We want his life. We want to experience his life. Now, the just shall live by faith. Hey? You know that you've been justified. You're going to live continuously establishing your heart by faith. Man, I've never seen anything like this. I don't know if this thing's going to work. By faith means I'm trusting that if I do have Christ in me, if I continuously give myself with all my heart, notice, with all my heart to this, it will be established in my heart and I will experience his life. So always, this is what it means here in context, that the just, you are just, are going to live by faith. Faith in what? Faith in not getting things changed on the outside. You don't even have to worry about the outside. It's about experiencing him on the inside. Him becoming your liberator. Him becoming the one that has totally set you free from your own personal destruction. Do you know how many people despise that Jesus came to wash you from your sins? Do you know why? Because what we perceive as sins, they perceive it as wholeness. In other words, all my weaknesses and my strengths together is my identity. That's what they say. My weaknesses and my strengths is my identity. Why? Why does the new age keep promoting this? Because they've got self as the center. You see, we continuously die to that. Jesus came to save us from this life that we were experiencing in the flesh so that he can help us and give us guidance to experience the new life that we have of God. Exactly the same life that he experiences. And I'm closing with this. In Hebrews chapter 12, what do we have to do? He says, looking unto Jesus. See, if you don't looking unto Jesus in every situation, you're looking at yourself. You're drawing from your past experiences. And God is saying, no, no, we're looking unto Jesus. Continuously. Who is the author the initiator and the finisher, notice, of our faith. My faith, my trust has to be in Jesus. He initiated, he finished it. Where did he finish it? On the cross. And now as I connect to him, I'm taking that finished work and expressing it 
in every area of my life. It's all about him. Do you want to know yourself? Get to know him. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And then he says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What shame? It's the shame of living a life in the flesh. That's the shame. Because you were not created for that. You were created to experience a life above your own. So he went in and took the shame of living life like we do in the flesh. And now, all the scriptures here that he goes on to, as I mentioned before, concerning discipline, is exactly about that. It's the discipline of getting you out of your flesh into him. That's all it is. It's possessing who he is. And that's why it becomes difficult, he says, during these types of discipline. And again, it's, man, we've twisted so many things here concerning discipline, and we think it's suffering, and God is taking you, you know, through certain things because he wants to purify you, and he wants to do all kinds of things. Listen, chapter 3 and 4 of Hebrews tells you, these acts could not enter in and they stayed in the wilderness, not because God is trying to purify them, because of their own unbelief, he says. They were not willing to obey him. You know what kept them for 40 years in the wilderness, in the desert? It's because they could not trust him. I mean, can you imagine 11 days to enter the promised land, and it takes you 40 years. And then we think that God is basically in control. God is not in control. God is trying to take you where he promised. But he needs your cooperation. He needs you because you're in authority here to be able to take you there. For you to yield and you say, yes, I'm going with you. I'm trusting you. It doesn't make sense, but I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to learn how to trust you. So the discipline here has to do with letting go of the mentality that we've learned to live in the flesh and how the will system has facilitated that and entering into him in our hearts. Now, I don't know how that makes you feel. I don't know what type of challenges you're having in your heart. I don't know what issues have emerged in you when you hear these words. What matters is are you willing to repent? You know, are you willing to say, I'm going to change my mind about this? I don't want to be bullheaded, hardheaded. Because everything I've done 
I hit a brick wall. But he's inviting me because he said, he said, I am the way. Way means path. Means road. There is no other way. The truth and the life. He is the truth. And it's a definite article. The. So God is inviting us continuously. And he says, please, don't do it like those guys in the wilderness. Please. Don't harden your heart with your own cultures, with your own theologies, with your own doctrines. Please don't. Because the Holy Spirit always says, today I want to, you to experience life. Today is the deliverance. Keep your heart soft and pliable. Keep your heart tender before him. And he will lead you to experience the fulfillment of Christ in you. And from that point, then you have the Holy Spirit that's continuously leading you to express that in multifaceted ways, every area of your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Just close your eyes and just get into your heart. And if you're ready to repent, please do it. It's so good for you. You've might tasted life through your five senses. But please, there is so transcending life, a better life, a life that you don't just simply experience it and then lose because it weighs off. It's a life that will remain constant in you. Because you're going to keep experiencing Him. Just say, Holy Spirit, I'm yielding myself to you this morning. I've got no idea how to get there in my heart. Thank you for your admonitions and the tools that you give me in the word. I have fears. Fear of letting go of my own personal life. The way that I've authored it. The way I try to finish it. Because that's what the world system has told me. I want to trust you. So Holy Spirit, help me to get there. Help me to make this journey. I don't want to be in the wilderness just like the children of Israel did, the first generation. 
mine is an emotional wilderness. I don't want to be there. I want to release and experience you. Hallelujah. With a show of hands, who wants to make that journey in their own hearts? Hallelujah. Just pray this prayer with me as you're sitting there. Heavenly Father, I open my heart to you. I thank you for what you've done for me in Jesus. I thank you that I know you never leave me. I'm not an orphan. I don't feel abandoned because you say you're with me. Lord, help me through this maze of emotions and beliefs that I have in my heart which are contrary to the way you view me. I want to establish internally myself in you. I want to see you clearly in me. And I want you to become my filters of how I see the world. Jesus, thank you for baptizing me in the Holy Spirit. Thank you for filling me with your presence so that I can be a witness to the world. Thank you, Lord. I surrender myself to you. I'm going to be like a clean slate. Every time I want to hear you. I will remove all my personal agendas. My selfish motives. Because just like Paul says, there's nothing like the resurrection power. Letting it go. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. You're a good God. Will you just stand up and have, keep your eyes closed and just open your heart? And just begin to thank Him. Appreciate Him for who He is. That He's always gentle, kind, courteous. He's not rude. He's never rude. He's always polite. And above all, you know that He loves you. Say thank you. Thank you for who you are to me. I appreciate you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, 
we, what do they say? We greet you with a kiss. How does it go? A hug and a kiss, a holy kiss, like uh, they used to say. And uh, hope you have a good Sunday. Please meditate on what we've said in these three weeks concerning faith. And please bring us whatever you need to know so that we can discuss it next week Sunday together here as a panel and you know you guys can get a clearer maybe picture of the way that you want to make your journey amen is there anything else that's it bye-bye <laughs> we got beautiful coffee out there <laughs>